it's almost over. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for the kind way in which you've listened this morning. Uh, I know that our attention spans sometimes are not that easy to, to keep for this long of a period of time and everything. And, uh, but I just really appreciate all of you and coming again out into this uh, kind of a messy day. Uh, but you've chose to spend your Saturday here, and I hope that uh, it, it's been a blessing to you. I probably should have offered this disclaimer a long time ago, but I know how nervous people get sometimes. Kept the mic on, right? All right. If you get the tape and there's some noise in it, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, I know we get nervous when preachers throw around disclaimers, but I'm uh, I'm not a I'm not a count, I'm not a counselor. I'm not uh, uh, I've never written a book on anything. Uh, I have a little over 37 years of experience as a husband, and a little over 35 years experience as a dad, and um, uh, it's mostly trial and error, and mostly error uh, that I that I bring to the table. Uh, but I and I know that a lot of you are a lot wiser than I will ever be and, and have forgotten more about uh, being a good husband and a good dad than, than I will ever know. But I appreciate you today and I appreciate you ha having me come and, and be a part of this. Um, I was <clears throat> trying to explain to my wife what I was gonna be doing and uh, we just had a ladies day at, at Spanish Fort a couple weeks back and everything. And uh, I said, honey, it's just like what y'all had. Y'all had a ladies day. It's a men's day, you know, no women allowed uh, and everything. You know, we, none of us could come to the ladies' day. Well, none of them can, none of y'all can come to the men's day. And it's kind of a similar format and all of that and everything. So, oh, okay, okay. Well, that's what you're doing. I said, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So anyway, I hope, I hope some of the things we did talk about maybe, again, got you thinking and uh, hopefully uh, has been an encouragement to you. Open Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we'll kind of end up today. Um, as we kind of look in this final session, we're calling it uncomfortable responsibility. Although I think, in a sense, and certainly know that uh, throughout all the other sessions and today in our thoughts, we have already really touched on the idea of responsibility. But I want us to think about it in a different sense this morning as we close. You're no longer here. You have lived your life. And you're leaving behind a family. A family that God blessed you with. family that forever how many years you've been on this earth you've enjoyed you've done a lot of incredible things together you've taken some incredible vacations you've had some incredible times you've laughed together you've cried together But now you're no longer here. 
What's your legacy? What's the greatest thing that you could ever do? I want you to think about, as we close out today, the responsibility of passing the baton. I love the Summer Olympics. I don't care much for the Winter Olympics because I don't live where there's snow. And a lot of the events in the Winter Olympics, I, I be honest with you, I just can't relate to. I do like that little curling thing where they roll that thing down the thing. That, that's kind of cool to watch, but I've never done that. And since I've never done a lot of those events in the winter thing, I don't snow ski and all that stuff, don't do all that. I, I don't relate to that, but the, the, the Summer Olympics has events in it that, that I enjoy. I, I can relate to track and field. I, I coached track one time. I coached girls track one time. That was the worst experience of my life. You know, I'm used to coaching guys. I'm used to yelling at guys, and they don't have a problem with that. You yell at a girl, and they'll cry for an hour. I didn't mean it. It's okay. Sorry. I just wanted you to try harder. <laughs> but I, I, I love to watch the events in the Summer Olympics. In 1996, in the Summer Olympics, the United States 4x100 relay team was expected to win the gold medal. In fact, over 75% of the time in all the history of the Olympics, the U.S. has won the 4x100 relay. That year we lost. Canada beat us. They didn't beat us because they were faster than we were or because they had better athletes than we had. They beat us because in one of the legs of the race, we failed to pass the baton. We dropped it. And so as men today, we need to think about that in the sense that one day we've got to pass the baton. And will we do that well? Or will we drop it? How does culture define a successful kid? Culture would say to us, success is a well-rounded, well-educated, happy kid. That sounds great, doesn't it? I want my children to be well-rounded. I want my kids to be well-educated. I want my kids to be happy. But I have to ask myself, am I happy and satisfied that my kids are good at a lot of things, exceptional at nothing? 
Would I rather them be faithful and honorable and full of integrity, or would I rather them make straight A's in Algebra 2? Do I want them to know the joy of the Lord, or do I want them to understand what the world defines as success and happy? Nothing wrong with being well-rounded. Nothing in the world wrong with being well-educated. And certainly nothing wrong with being happy. But remember what Jesus said? What good will it be if a man were to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What good will it be if I live my life and in the end my kids are well-rounded, well-educated, and happy and lose their soul? The most important thing I can do is this. Pass the spiritual baton to the next generation. I can leave them a lot of things. I can leave them a lot of money, and I'm sure they'd appreciate that. I won't, but I could. (laughs) I could pass on to them a very successful business that's been in a generation and generation and generation of our family. I can make sure that they got every new toy there is out there. And I'm sure they'd be happy. What's the most important thing I can do? Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, It's not going to matter how many touchdowns little Johnny scored. How many recitals that little Susie played in. How many honor rolls they were on in this life. What's going to matter is, is what was their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my real responsibility at the end of the day. That's what I'm working for. To pass the baton. And here's why that's a big deal, because there are too many that are dropping it. Even in the body of Christ. that aren't taking serious their responsibility. Psalm 71, 18 says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. David said, Lord, let me live long enough that I can declare to the next generation your power your greatness, your goodness, your glory, 
and your splendor. God, give me a shot. That's all I want. I just want a chance. I just want a chance to make a difference in the lives of the people that I love. The ones I live with. The ones I spend time with. The ones that you gave to me, God. Just give me a shot. Because what we're really called to do is this. To unleash Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers into the world today. Lives that are centered upon Jesus Christ. Lives that have been anchored in the foundation of what God has to say in His Word. Lives that can change and turn the world upside down. I mentioned earlier, we're living in a, in, in a, in a difficult world right now, but it's a world that can be changed if it has a chance to hear about Jesus. And we need to be challenging people to do that. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, how in the world can I pay all the bills? I mean, my biggest concern right now is, is trying to get everybody to everybody's practice and, and, and somehow get them all fed at McDonald's. And you're wanting me to unleash on the world a Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changer? It is a huge and challenging responsibility. But remember in Deuteronomy, Moses is, is telling the people, here's some things I want you to remember when you go in that land. In chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And tie them as a symbol on their hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How do we do this? How do we pass the baton in a way that we can create those world changers? Well, one thing, and this is comforting, I guess, is we can't do it by ourselves. We have to enlist help. Now, I know I said a while ago that, that, that nobody can take your place and nobody can, but our call is not to do it alone. Moses says, hear, O Israel. He called out to the whole nation, the whole tribe, the whole clan. It may be our calling, but, but, but we need supporting voices. And we need to know where to find those. Solomon said in Proverbs, 
a young man void of understanding. You see, there's a void in, in, in that child's mind, and it will be filled. It can be filled with the ideas of a humanistic society that says, make your own rules, do your own thing, be your own boss, be your own God. Or it can be filled with the words of the one who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father by me, but it will be filled. And we need help filling it. And that may be the youth minister, it may be the Bible teacher, it may be the, the coach, it may be the older mentor, it may be whoever. And by the way, quick time out, we're not just passing the baton in relationship to just our kids or those that will follow us. We're helping everybody in here pass the baton and pass their baton. Because anything that I could possibly do to help you pass your baton and do it well, I need to be doing that. And you need to be helping me. And together, we can pass it on to Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. When I used to coach, every year at the last home game, we had a very special time for our team. Before we would go out and play the game, we would all get together and we would all come together and our seniors were given an opportunity to talk about what it meant to them to get to be a part of the team what it meant to them to get to play at Mobile Christian. And, and some of them had played for four years. They'd been there all four years. And, and these were very emotional moments. This was a time that it was just us. It was just the team. We didn't have no cheerleaders. We didn't have no parents. We didn't have anybody. It was just, it was just us in there. And, and these kids were just opening up their heart as to what it meant to them to get to be a part of all of this. And sometimes it was, like I said, it was, it was very emotional. And then we got to go out and play a game after all of this. I'll never forget being in there, and there's this young man, and, and he's just pouring his heart out. And he looked over at me, and he said, Coach, I want to thank you. Because you were like a father to me. In fact, Coach, you were more of a father to me than my real father. Who is that person that you can reach out to and you can touch and you can make a difference in their life? And you may never know you may never know what, what, what your words meant. I guarantee you tomorrow there's going to be some little kids running around in here. Chances are they're probably running around up here afterwards. I, it's amazing to me how little kids are attracted to a pulpit. 
I don't know if that happens here or not. Maybe y'all don't allow that to happen. But I, I told someone, I don't have any grandkids. If God ever blesses me with grandkids, I'm building a pulpit in my backyard. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I told my wife, I don't care what it costs. We're building a pulpit because I've never seen kids love a pulpit like they do. I always leave my notes and Bible and stuff up there. And, and afterwards, all the parents around here talking their kids up there. And I'll walk by the parents and I'll say, if I'm not back in five minutes, send somebody in after me. Because I'm going to get my stuff. They're just all over the place. This place will be covered up with little kids all around here. You may never know. You may never know what it might mean for you to go by and say something to one of those little kids. And just encourage them. Just encourage them. I'll, I'll put a plug in for the youth ministry. I used to be one of you. <laughs> when I was back in 1990, I did part-time youth ministry when I was at the school. If there's such a thing, I don't believe there is. But, but, but I was doing part-time youth ministry over at the Central Church in Sarah Land. That's the church where Brother V.P. Black, uh, you probably heard that name, uh, he was there. Brother Billy Lambert was there, and I was the youth minister. And uh, I'll never forget one day I was at lunch, and I was at, at McDonald's, and I ran into Rodney Britt. Rodney Britt sings with a cappella. If you've ever heard a cappella sing, he, he's the bass singer with them. Okay, He was a youth minister at a church down in Mobile at that time, everything. And so I ran into Rodney. We're having lunch and everything. And Rodney made this statement to me that really helped me more than anything ever helped me in youth ministry. He said, we are in an intangible business. We may never know the results till five, six years down the road. Because that knucklehead who won't pay attention and won't listen to us, and, 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 and we think is just totally out there, that seed will take root, and somewhere down the road, it'll kick in. So don't beat yourself up too bad right now <laughs> when you think I'm not, I'm not getting through, I'm not, nothing's happening here or whatever. Same thing is true. You, you may offer encouragement, you may help somebody else's kid, you may help your own kid, and you may think they're not listening, they're not paying any attention, and somewhere down the road it'll kick in. You've passed the baton. And you've done it well. We need to elevate the expectations. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. I think sometimes we don't give our kids enough credit. We talk about that they're the church of tomorrow. Where's that in the Bible? It ain't in there. They can do powerful things for God today. Things that I could never do. I tell our kids all the time at church, you, you, you can have an influence for Christ in your world that I'll never get in. You can love the Lord God with all your heart at 14. You can lead a friend to Christ at 16. 
We've got to raise the expectation. Josiah was a boy king at age eight. Samuel was, was prepared in his boyhood to serve. Jesus was 12 years old when he marveled the teachers in the temple. A merchant once tipped his hat to a little boy, and someone said, why'd you do that? He said, I respect the potential in the boy. You want to pass the baton. Don't wait too long to respect the potential in that little boy and that little girl. They represent a spiritual powerhouse of influence and energy. And part of passing the baton is recognizing that before it's too late. Before it gets away. Instead of just telling them you can't do this and you can't do that, we need to tell them that they can love the Lord God with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind. Show them the friend they need in Jesus Christ. Show them the friend that you have found in Jesus Christ. It's time to tell them that they are a chosen generation intended to do great things for God. We need to enlist other voices. We need to elevate the expectations. And we've already touched on this one, but we need to emulate the message. We've got to keep it real. Verse 7 and 9 says, Oppress upon your children, talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tell, tie them to as a symbol on your hand and bind them on the foreheads and write on the, uh, the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You need to teach them that life is about choices and help them to find the right choice. Back in 2006, I, was, I got summoned for jury duty. <laughs> the old dreaded letter, right? <laughs> I actually had gotten it earlier and got it postponed because we were in the middle of football season, and, and, and so I got it moved, and I ended up going. I ended up being a juror on a capital murder trial. Young man walked into a trailer one night with a sawed-off shotgun, blew a guy's head off for some oxycodone. He was guilty. Ain't no doubt. They showed us the pictures, gave us the details. The only thing we had to decide was this, whether or not that young man would spend life in prison without parole or whether he would die in an electric chair. In Alabama, life in prison without parole means you never breathe free air again. You ain't getting out. And I'll never forget the closing arguments of the prosecuting attorney. She looked at all of us and she said, life is about choices. And 
And this young man made a choice. It impressed me so much that my kids today will tell you, I know, Dad, life's about choices. Because I just started hammering them with that. By the way, I'll go ahead and tell you, we gave him life without parole. I usually tell that story and I don't finish it and people will come running up, what did y'all do, what did y'all do? Because we gave him death. Pretty much. As one juror put it. Life is about choices. The greatest way that I can pass the baton, the greatest legacy that I might ever have is that I help people understand life is about choices and here's the best choice. Let me point you toward it. You may not be cool and you may not be hip and you may not be up on all the lingo, and you may not be able to fix this when it messes up. Thank goodness for a teenager. Just hand it to them. If you ever have a problem, in just a second, they'll fix it for you. You may not be all those things, but let me tell you something. you got to be real. you got to be real with your kids. you got to be real with your family. If we, need, if we expect them to emulate loving God, they need to see us loving God with all of our heart. I don't know about y'all, but when we got married, we had to register like they do today at all these different places to get gifts. And one of the places is to get some, some china, nice dishes, right? And you're trying to get a set of all these nice dishes called Chinaware. Beautiful stuff. What I didn't realize was this. We're never going to use it. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of men. And don't tell me that that's not stupid, pardon the S word. That makes no sense to me. Why would we have people invite them, encourage them, beg them to go buy this expensive stuff that we would never be able to afford for ourselves and we're going to build a nice little cabinet with nice little mirrors on it so you can look in there and we're going to tilt it setting up and all this kind of stuff and dare anybody to walk by there and, 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 and break one of them. We're never using it. You know what? We went and bought a bunch of old stuff that's our everyday dishes. That's what we can use. We can't use that China stuff. You know what? Some of us have China wear faith. It's real nice. It looks real good. But we don't use it every day. We stick it up out of the way. And what we use every day is the everyday faith. And if we're going to pass the baton, we got to get out the good stuff all the time. And let those that are watching us see that. God's not only concerned 
about how well you run the race. Paul must have been some sort of athlete because he uses so many metaphors, most of which referring to a race. And we call the Christian life a race, and it's not a sprint. My son, when he was like the seventh grade, ran cross country, decided he wanted to run cross country. I don't know why. He's not a runner. I'll just tell you, he's not. He wanted to run cross country. Well, we didn't want to discourage him. We said, okay, great. So one Saturday morning, we get up about 6.30 or so, and we go over to the park because he's going to run this cross country race, okay? Now, cross country is long distance, okay? It's not like that four by 100 sprint. It's long distance. So we show up early on Saturday morning, and I'm pumped up. I mean, I'm going to, you know, I wanted to make posters and stuff. I mean, I just, let's, let's, go, let's go, Eric, you can do this, and all this kind of stuff. They started the race, and our son took off, I mean, like a banshee. Woo! He's out in front, and he's gone. I'm like, we'll smoke them today. I'm thinking, the old coach and me's coming out. I'm like, we got this one. No problem. So they run off and go into the woods somewhere. And we're sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, some of the runners start coming back. It's not our son. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Our son ain't showing back up. I'm getting concerned. I'm like, what's going on here? Somebody cheated. They tripped him. I mean, he was out in front. When he left here, he was winning this thing. What's going on here? Or whatever. Finally, after the award ceremony and everybody was leaving, here comes our son chugging out the woods. <laughs> it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The Christian race is not a sprint. We act like that sometimes. It's a marathon. 26 point something miles. It's a race that we're in. And God is not just concerned how you run the race. He's also concerned about how you're going to pass the baton to the next runners who have to run this race as well. May God help us to be successful in passing the baton. One final story in application. Way back there when I was doing youth ministry, we decided, or I decided, we were going to have a, we were going to take a canoe trip. And so I called the guy up and I said, hey, I got a youth group here and, and we'd like to take a Saturday. We'd like to do a canoe trip. He says, well, that's, that's awesome. He said, you have two options. He said, there's a six-mile trip that takes about half a day. You can take your time. You can really enjoy it and all that and have a good time and, and everything. And like I said, it'll take you about half the day to do it. There's a 15-mile trip. It's, it's like an all-day adventure. No, not being, no offense to youth ministers, but not being real smart, I said, give us the 15-miler. 
we want to get the full experience of this. I want my kids to remember the day that they went on a canoe trip with me. We're going to bond and everything. It's on the Escatawa Cal over there right by Gulf Coast Bible Camp. The, okay, th this is a, it, it's the state line between Alabama and Mississippi. And, and this thing is, is it's, it's called the Escatawa River, but it's, it's not a huge river. And it, it twists like a snake, just like a snake. And on every twist is a, is a sandbar, every one of them. And, and usually a little bit of sand or whatever, you know. And you can stop and get out and, and have a picnic or play around there or, or keep going and keep going. So we all get there and, and we, we, we stop and there's a school bus and, and the guy says, all right, everybody load up. So we get in the school bus and he drives us back in the middle of absolute nowhere Mississippi on a dirt road and we come to an opening and there's the, there's the river and there's our canoes and he said, hop in, pointed us in the direction to go and he said, I just want to let you know something. At 5 o'clock, the bus will be back down there to pick you up. And if you're not there at 5 o'clock, the bus will leave you. Okay? So I'm thinking, no, no problem. We get the kids all loaded up in their canoes, and they take off, and they take off down the river. And I'm in the very back. And there was a guy in our church that for some reason, he was a glutton for punishment too. He liked going on canoe trips. And he had a strong back. And so I put him in my canoe, and I put him up front, and I let him paddle. <laughs> and when he looked back, I was paddling too, but when he wasn't looking, I was, <laughs> brother, you're doing good, keep it up. <laughs> and I'm bringing up the rear, right? I'm, I'm back there going, you know. And I'll never forget, I mean, how many regrets that I didn't take that six-mile trip. It is hot, the sun is shining, there's not a bit of shade, and we're and every turn we go around, I'm praying for a yellow school bus. I'm like, God, just give us a yellow school bus. And the day is getting later and later and later and later. And five o'clock's getting closer and closer. And the memory in my mind that that man's saying, that bus won't be there if you're not there. And I'll never forget, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. I'm thinking, you know, deliverance. I mean, all kind of stuff going through my mind. I'm thinking, I'm never going to see my parents again, and I didn't really tell them goodbye. You know, I'll, I'll never see children. My, I, you know, I didn't have any at that time. I was like, oh, well, you know, I probably won't have any kids or nothing. You know. I mean, I, I, all kind of thoughts are going through my mind as he's paddling us down the river. And I'll never forget this canoe came along beside us and passed us. And I'll never forget this. They said, you better hurry up. You're going to miss the bus. Now, man, i got to tell you something. At that moment in my life, the last thing I needed was someone to come along and tell me to hurry up. What I really needed was someone to come along and say, you can do this. Keep paddling. You can do this. You can get to the finish line. You can make it back to the bus. 
the last thing that you needed this weekend was for me to come up here and to tell you, hurry up. What you needed me to do was come along, and I hope I've done it, and tell you, you can do this. You can do this. We can be the men that God called us to be. You can be that father. You can be that husband. You can be that spiritual leader. You can do this. Because we have to do this. There's another generation of runners depending on us. And with the help of God, we can be the men that God called us to be. Thank you again for having me. And I pray that God will bless you in all that you do.